Good evening everyone, welcome here tonight and a passage of scripture tonight folks is from Isaiah, it's a very well known piece of scripture, not in the world but amongst Christians sadly, it's Isaiah 53.5, it was actually referenced this morning, this is God's spoken word. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. This is God's spoken word and may he bless it to our hearts. Not just for today but forevermore. Healing is quite an incredible thing, folks. It's quite an incredible thing. When I, when I was preparing this, something came to my mind that you don't actually see a lot of nowadays. Now, maybe you do. Maybe I just don't notice it because my kids are all grown up. But when I, was, when I was a kid, a long time ago, you used to see a lot of kids running about with skint knees. Right? Boys and lassies. They all had skint knees, Because right? <laughs> when we ran about, there was, there was a crowd of boys and lassies. And, and I've got to say, kids were kids for a lot longer then. You know, we weren't exposed to a lot of the information that's in the world now, so we, still, we were still kids for a long period. And you always had either one knee was skint or both knees were skint. And if you went for the full house, you had both elbows were skint as well. <laughs> and sometimes the palms of your hands and you'd fell. <laughs> And what used, to, what used to amaze me as a boy was, so you'd run and you'd fall in the street or whatever it was and you'd skin and you'd tear the skin right off your knee, oh and you'd be crying and you'd be rolling about and oh and you'd go up and you could see, you could see where it stripped the skin and you were convinced you could see the bone, you know, you would tell your pals, I could see right through to the bone, right? You obviously couldn't, but you would tell them that. And you'd go up to the house, and, and, and my mum, she was she believed Dettol healed everything, right? Dettol healed everything. <laughs> and she'd get a cloth, and she'd dab it with Dettol. Oh, the sting, the sting. Right, she would Dettol it up and that. And we never really got plasters. I know kids nowadays get plasters. They get wee funny plasters, and colourful plasters, and see-through plasters. You didn't get a plaster then. It really had to be serious before you got anything, right? Right, just leave it, and the classic phrase was, let the air get it in. Right, let the air get it in, and it would dry up. And what would happen is over a period of a week, a big scab would form on your knee. Right, it's got form on your knee, and you'd run about, and you, you would try and sort of no bother, but at night time when it go itchy, and your mother would say, you leave it alone, that's it healing. Right, that's it healing. But me being the boy I was, I would at the edges, you know, just get a wee flick with my fingernail, a wee, oh, oh, uh, uh, to see if it would go, and sometimes I would pull it a wee bit too early, and it would tear the skin again, it would bleed, and I'd have to leave it, and it would scab up again, but the bit that used to get me was, maybe a week or so, and you knew it was ready to go, and you'd pick the scab, and the whole thing would come away, right, it'd come away, and there underneath it, was this lovely, pink, new skin 
I, as a kid, that used to amaze me that barely a week ago, it was through to the bone. And now it was lovely. It was, a, it was a pinky shade and your leg was white and it was a pinky shade. But it was brand new skin. My body had healed itself and produced this skin. That used to fascinate me as a kid. And the whole human body's ability to self-heal like that has always been a miracle to me. It's always been a miracle, you know. Wounds, cuts, disease, whatever it is, the autoimmune system, we get a bacteria in our body, our autoimmune system automatically switches on, boom, descends upon the, the, the invading stuff and attacks it to keep our body safe. And the, bo- the body cannot always, it doesn't always win the day, it doesn't always grow back or sort things out. Sometimes what happens is it overpowers our repair system. And we're left with deficiencies in our body. But the general principle of the self-healing body still stands. Because we don't say to ourselves, I'll need to heal this. It just happens. It just happens. But you know, we're more than just a self-healing body. We're more than that. We're a lot more than that. Right? Miraculous and special as it is, we're a lot more than that. We're more than a body that can heal itself. Because beyond the physical, we have lots of other things. We have emotions, we have thoughts, we have feelings, we have desires, we have hopes, we have needs, we have wants. And these things have got to reside somewhere within this physical body. And I always used to wonder, where does, where does that reside? Now the world would say, ah, it's in your mind, it's in your brain. It's hard to be I'm a Christian. And I tend to go to the Bible to see where this sort of stuff resides. And it happens to be that the Bible is very clear. All this stuff resides in two places. It resides in your soul and in your spirit. For me, I've got a body, I've got a soul, and I've got a spirit. And I know we can often interchange the use of the word soul and spirit you hear people doing it, they, they sort of mix them up and they, they say soul when they mean spirit or they say spirit when they mean soul and it's understandable, right, it's understandable but scripture's clear if you go to Thessalonians 5 it says may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ so in scripture there's a definite Soul, spirit, soul and body. They're separate. It says it again in Hebrews 4. For the word of God, this is one most of us would know or have heard. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. So we're clear on that. That's it. Now, I've got before this goes up, I've, I found a wee diagram that I was reading. It's from a guy called Larkin who said divining the word, and he done a pictorial thing of it. It was just to help people sort of understand. It is not the definitive drawing of what the spirit and the soul looks like, and it's up here. It's a wee bit long. Now he done three circles, right? He did three circles, and on the outer circle he said, right, that's the body, right? That's the body. And it's all your senses. So it's all your feelings, your, your sight, your hearing, your smell, your touch, your taste. And that's how the world interacts, your body and the world interact. But within the, inside the body, there's the soul. 
And within the soul, you've got things like conscience, you've got reason, you've got imagination, you've, you've got memory, you've got likes, you've got dislikes. Yeah? But then, there's a place, place, place even deeper than the soul called the spirit. This is spirit. You hear it in scripture, it's called the spirit of man. Spirit, you hear it referred to in different ways. And that's where our God stuff resides. That's where our God stuff resides. That's where faith and hope and worship and awe and reverence and prayer. That's where the spirit lives. That's what's in the spirit. That's what's referred to as word God consciousness. Humanity has had it since creation. Since we left the garden. You hear people talking about it, they go out and they stand under a starry sky and they <laughs> something inside them goes Wow. And they don't have words and they don't have reason, you know all that stuff that exists in the soul and in the body. They don't have that. They're just overwhelmed. And that's the spirit has picked something up there. You know. That's okay, Joe, but I don't need that anymore, mate. It's just a wee pictorial thing, right? Just to sort of how this fella laughing. Now, I want to go back to where the soul is. See, when the body is hurt, that stuff that I was talking about to you earlier on, when we injure the body and it automatically heals. Unfortunately, the soul doesn't have that. The soul does not have an auto-repair system. When our souls are injured, you know, the places where our hopes and our emotions and our desires live, when they're injured, when that part is injured, the soul doesn't auto-repair. It gets injured. When we experience trauma, now that trauma can come in any way to the soul, it can come in many ways. If we were unloved as children, the feelings within our soul get damaged. If we experience poverty, if our parents were abusive, if our guardians were, if our relationships fail in adult life, our soul takes a hit. If a partner dies or a partner leaves us, our soul takes a hit. If we don't get the job or the wife or the children that we wanted, our soul takes a hit. It becomes injured. But it doesn't just get injured that way. We've heard some people here tonight whose souls are injured. And I spoke to someone today, believe it or not, who, I couldn't believe it, it was just supposed to be a Sunday lunch. I like to have a quiet day before I preach. And I was just swamped by the pain in this person's life, not expecting it. And big pain. Big injury to the soul. And not to just their soul, to their family. But we don't, we don't just, through life experience injury to the soul, we also injure ourselves. I've heard some people praying about tonight. Drugs. Alcohol. Different things. And that's... We end up wounded. Our souls end up wounded, whether it's by other people injuring us or us injuring ourselves. And much like when we hurt our bodies, we don't like it. 
we don't like when our soul's injured. We don't like the soul sickness that comes from when we're damaged within. We don't like it. But we don't have that auto repair system. And we don't like to sit with the pain and the discomfort. So what do we do? We self-medicate it. We try and repair it ourselves. We do try and repair it. Now the world has got lots of suggestions how you can remove the, part, the pain of a lost partner or the pain of a damaged childhood or the pain of poverty or the pain of that. The world, and, and you'll have a million self-help psychology books will tell you how to do this. But ultimately, usually, with it, when we're left to our own devices, the way we heal our soul or try to heal our soul is more of something. If I only had a bigger house, if I only have a better car, if I have a really good watch on my wrist, people will look at me and think I am somebody. If, if I have more clothes or more food or, or more alcohol or a better partner or something, this will remove the injury that is in my soul. This will take it away. But deep down as human beings, we know that it doesn't heal it. We know that these things only distract our attention from away from the pain that's within us. Because the shiny new car, the joy that it gives us, doesn't really last that long. You get about a week out of it. Or the big new telly, because they bring out a better one next week, and all of a sudden you're back to where you were with your pain. So we know deep down instinctively that these things don't heal the pain in our soul. The world would say is, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with buying a telly or getting a new partner or getting a new car with healing your soul? Well, most of these things are fine within themselves. Tellies and cars and stuff like that, they're inanimate objects. They are not the danger. They have a healthy purpose in themselves. They are not the sin. The hurt and the wound that we inflict upon ourselves is in turning to them for healing and not turning to God. We go our own way to heal ourselves. That's what we do. That's the sin. The sin of not turning to God, of rejecting God in favour of our own way of dealing with our pain. And I've always seen nine times out of ten, a hundred times out of a hundred, our way of healing our pain will end up in sin. It may start innocent, it will end up in sin. How do I know this? Because our way is not God's way. And our way is always a sinful way. Always. And it has a knock-on effect, that sin, of not turning to God. Number one, it increases the hurt that we're trying to distract ourselves because now we don't just have the hurt that we started with. We have a deeper hurt from the sin that we've committed. We have a deeper hurt. 
But it also the sin drives us further and further away from God. Our sin of rejecting God drives us further and further away from God. It's the very, very thing that Satan wanted in the garden to separate us from God. Sin within the soul has a devastating effect upon the spirit. The spirit that was in, within us. And I'll, I'll refer to that. Now the spirit that resides within us is who we truly are. It's who we truly are. Yes, the rest of it adds on bits to the side. But the spirit that is within us was breathed into us by God. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. You hear of the spirit being referred to as the breath of God, the wind of God. You heard Dave speak about it this morning, Rua. That spirit that is within us is the part that comes directly from God himself. Directly from him. He breathed out and gave us life. Up until then, we were still dust. <laughs> we just a lump of molecules. And he breathed out. How does sin from our souls darken that? How does it do that? You saw in the drawing that you had the body in the outer ring, the soul in the next ring, and the spirit in the centre. So imagine your spirit is at the centre, right? The spirit's at the centre of your life. Your spirit, imagine it as being transparent, right? You can see through it. There's a reason why it's transparent. It's to let light in and let light out. Right? Your spirit is your God consciousness, that thing that the awe of God, the awareness of God. That's the thing that sees God's light and reflects God's light. You know, we often speak about that in Christian circles. Our lives are to reflect God. We, can all, we can't reflect God through our soul or through our body. It starts with our spirit. It's reflected through our spirit. Now, if our soul is sinful, imagine what's happening. You have the spirit who is transparent. Your spirit is in you. And every time the soul sins, it picks up a big handful of mud and throws it on your spirit. And then it does it again, and it picks up another big and it throws another lump. And it keeps throwing it through our life. keeps throwing it. Until eventually your spirit is entombed in the mud of sin. It's entombed. It's entombed. And that's when we're left in the darkness. Because our spirit can no longer see God. It can no longer sense God. Because we're so trapped in the sin. We're so trapped. All we're left is with a trapped spirit and a sinful soul. The world is awash with it. I was that man. I lived in that place. 
I lived it. And do you know the thing was? No, I remember about that time in my life. If someone mentioned God or Jesus, I used to... I'd get... I'd want to be away from them. I'd want to attack them. I'd think, you're talking rubbish. Rubbish. It's a perfect example. The Garden of Eden is a perfect example of how it comes about. Eve saw the apple. Right? Now her body, sight. She saw the apple. She heard the serpent's lie. It kindled a desire within her soul to possess the apple. She took the apple. And she knew it instantly. Her spirit had picked up a big lump of mud and hit her spirit with her soul, hit her spirit with the mud. And she felt it. How do we know that? Because she didn't want to be alone in that darkness. She went to her husband. Come and join me in the darkness. And what's the next thing the two of them done? They distanced themselves with God. That's what sin does. They hid. They hid from God. That's the very first time we sinned. That was it set in motion. And that's been going on ever since then. That is the wound that is in our souls. Sin is the wound in our souls that shuts out the light of God to our spirit. Our spirit's entombed in mud of our sinfulness. It can either see the light, nor reflect the light of God. And what that does, is separates us from Him. What a terrible place to be. What a terrible, terrible place to be. And as we mentioned earlier, unlike the body, the physical body, it cannot, neither the soul nor the spirit can heal itself. If it could, our Lord would never have had to go to a cross. Never had to go to a cross. We're left with two problems. The first problem, our spirit is covered in the mud of sin. How can we remove something that we cannot see to remove it? Take that off, Vic. Take what off? That sin that's on you, what are you talking about? Go into the street and ask anybody, say to somebody, you're covered in sin. What are you talking about? I was that guy. I'm sure you all were. So we cannot see the sin to remove it because we're covered in it. And the second problem is our spirit has been locked in the darkness of sin for so long that it no longer recognises God. It cannot see Him. Just like when I would be in and somebody would mention God, rubbish guy, get away from me. Get away from me. It can no longer see Him. You see, this is why we need someone to remove the sin from us. We don't, we, we can't do it ourselves. We don't have the power. We don't have the knowledge. And the only thing that can eliminate sin, sin is all about self. It's all about me. The only thing that eliminates sin is sacrifice. Sacrifice is anything but about self. 
is the only thing. What amazes me is of all the millions of geniuses that have been born on this planet since the dawn of time, nobody ever worked that one out. Nobody ever worked out. Our problem is our sinfulness. You know, by their own intellect. The only one that knew that was God. It talks about it in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2 7. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. What was that mystery? That God was going to have to sacrifice himself. No one else knew. Only God. Only God knew that. You see, no human being could see that a sacrifice was needed. No human could ever have been that sacrifice because everyone is covered in sin. How do you take a mud-covered sinful person up to the altar and say, this is my sacrifice, this is my offering to you? It's never going to work. The only one that could do it was God himself and Jesus. Because he was free from sin. The only person ever born never to have sinned. Never to have sinned. First Peter 2.22 He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. If he has no sin on him he is not only pure as a sacrifice he can see God crystal clearly. He can see him as clear as anything because his spirit is still transparent it's still receiving the light of God and reflecting the light of God people knew in his presence when they stood with him oh something here they knew and when Jesus went to the cross and when the nails were driven through his hands and when the nails were driven through his feet and when he was pierced in his side and his blood flowed that's what washed the mud from our spirits that washed us there is a fountain filled with blood and guilty sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains his blood from the cross washed our spirits clean they were sparkling they were as transparent as the day God breathed in us. The blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you know something? He didn't just remove our sins from us. He removed them from the mind of God. <laughs> he just didn't wash them away from us. He took them for the mind of God. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. If you are washed in the blood of Christ, God looks at you and goes, and if you say, but God, that was a sinner, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't see it. Us, us sinners, our spirit stands transparent. 
reflecting God's light. There's a, there's, the second problem is, yes, our spirits are clean. They are transparent once again. But it's been so long entombed in the darkness of sin. I wasn't about when this happened, right? But I do know the stories and I've seen documentaries. Pit ponies down the mines. Years and years ago, before they had powered wagons to bring the coal up from below in the mines, miles down below the earth, they had little like Shetland type ponies to pull the wagons. Those ponies lived down there all their lives. And when they retired them, they brought them up to the surface and they couldn't be used for anything else. They were blind. The optic nerve had died in the darkness. They could no longer see. That was our spirits. Yes, our spirits now wash clean. But it's still blind. It's still got, it's been so long in the darkness. What do we do about that? You see, Jesus knew that, and Dave Bremner spoke about it this morning. Dave Bremner said, It is better for you that I leave so that the Father will send another advocate. You see, Jesus knew that cleaning the debris from our souls, our sin, would not be enough. That's why he asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit. We concentrate on the cross and we should. We should cling to it and hold to it. Jesus didn't stop at the cross. Jesus saw through the cross to the other side. He knew, yes, I'll die. That opened the gate. The Holy Spirit needs to come and spark us back to life to give new sight to our spirit. To remind us exactly who we are. We've been so long in the dark. We've forgot who we are. Romans 8.16 says it. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are God's children. We should jump out of our skins at that one. We should jump out of our skins. We are God's children. In the... Calvinist theological terms it's called regeneration of the spirit I just call it we're sparked back to life we're sparked back to life and we become a whole new creation we are cleaned of sin and we are alive in the spirit the light from God our consciousness is aware of him we can see him his light comes in through the the Holy Spirit resides within our spirit and shines it through us. And see those circles that I was showing, you know, the arrows were pointing in the way. The arrows now point the other way <laughs> into the world. The light from the Holy Spirit floods our soul. So that our desires, our likes, our dislikes, our reasoning, our thinking all become spirit filled. And even our senses, we feed our senses with light things, <coughs> not dark things. We become completely new. We are a whole new person. We are not that person before. The entombed sinful person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
The old has gone, the new is here. The Father sends the Son. The Son is sacrificed. The Spirit comes. And we are the benefactors of that. We've done nothing to deserve that. God is running about to save us. Marvellous. Marvellous. The question for us is, how does all that apply to our lives? Yes, we can hear it. As Christians, we need to know these truths always, and we need to hear them repeated. There's nothing worse than a Christian when they hear that going, yeah, 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 I know that. I know that, I've heard that, I've heard that sermon a million times. But you better hear it a million more. Because the voices of the world that will tell you the way to heal your soul and heal your spirit are screaming at you every minute of the day. And if you've got to come here once a week to hear, here's the healer. He is the healer. He is the one who gives life. Not the big telly that Samsung are telling you you need. Or BMW are telling you you need. It's got a new BMW. <laughs> or whoever sells big hussies. We need to hear this because in our lives, particularly in this modern world where we are awash in information, we are constantly bombarded. And it's harder. So we must remind ourselves of this great truth, this eternal cosmic truth, that Jesus is the great healer. And then we must ask ourselves, he has cleaned me, he has sparked me to life, what am I doing to feed my soul? How am I feeding it now? Because I was feeding it with dark stuff before, what am I feeding it with now? In our world of TV and social media and all sorts, should I be exposing myself to gratuitous violence and sex and theft and murder? Should I be doing that as a source of entertainment? Don't get me wrong, we all love our telly. But there's, there's something we need to be careful of here. I was watching a movie and there was a guy breaking guys' arms and shooting people and stabbing people and all that. And I'm thinking, how, how does this add to the story? But in the old cowboy movies, he just creeped up behind him and got a pistol and hit him out of the head and the guy conked it. And the story went on. No, he's got to virtually mutilate the guy. I'm thinking, that constantly taking this in through your eyes is no good for you. But that's something we need to think about. God has cleaned our spirit. But if we're loose with our soul and feed our soul poison, it will not be long before it starts throwing mud on the spirit again. And you ever hear that? You ever hear Christians say, I feel as if I can't see God anymore. What have you been doing? What have you been doing? So you've got that. Should we listen to things that denigrate God? Should we do that? Or God's creation? Or crude humour? Or foul language? Should we position ourselves in amongst that? Yes, we're going to hear it. You can't sit in a bus nowadays. You can't go anywhere. It's just... And it's, it's everywhere, particularly the young ones. And I know I'm old school here, but and I would get sin-dyed and dragged out of the coals for this, but I struggle when I hear young women using foul language. I know it's an age thing, right? 
the males and the females are just as bad at it. So that's another question we need to ask ourselves. Not only, yes, my language can be fine and my behaviour can be fine, but what am, I, what am I feeding my soul with? Either through company or through entertainment. As we live our lives, we need to reflect through our spirit, the Holy Spirit, the light of God that he brings to us. That's great Pentecost Day, as he came upon and they saw it. The people could see it shining at them. We need to live our lives by constantly keeping that mirror <laughs> nice and shiny so that the light bounces out into the world. Now don't be disheartened. You're going to meet people who are not going to believe you. They're not going to believe you. Just like when Jesus healed the blind man at the, the pool of Siloam and they said to him, who, did, who sinned? Was it this man his parents? And Jesus said, no. He, um, he's healed so that the works of God can be seen. God has healed us so that the works of God can be seen in the world. So that they can be seen. And when Jesus healed that man, strangely enough, it was his sight. When Jesus healed that man, there was Pharisees there who went, what a rubbish. Now they dragged the, the blind man in and said, wait a minute, have you always been blind? And do, 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 do. Jesus, no, nah, he's just a chancer, he's this, he's that, he's the next thing. You are going to meet that. When you reflect the light of God into your community, into your world, you are going to meet Pharisees. Be ready for it. But if you keep reflecting the light into the world, somebody who's hurt is going to see it. And they're going to come to you and they're going to say, how did you get like that? Who healed you? And you must answer. I was healed by his wounds. Whose wounds? Jesus. That's what we must live our lives through. And when you meet the Pharisees, deal with the way Jesus speaks about it. Mark 2. When the Pharisees spoke to him and said, you'll know this, you'll know that. Jesus says to them, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, okay, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So when you meet the Pharisee, that's how you treat them. Don't waste your time on a Pharisee. They're entombed. And they want to be entombed. And if God does need to decide they're going to be entombed, the man you can do about it. You need to find the sick who say to you, How did you get healed? And you tell them, I was healed by him, by his wounds. This is God's word in me, blessed to our hearts. Let us pray. Father, on, this great Pente- on the great Pentecost day when the, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and the light of who you are shone through them, not only in who they were, but in their speech and in their language, and the physical representation of the Holy Spirit was there for all to see. It was there for all to hear. 
as they spoke in different languages. And Father, you gave us your Son to clean us of the filth of sin that is in our life. You have washed us clean with the blood of your Son who sacrificed on the cross at Calvary but who knew this is what you had called him to do and you had asked of him and he lovingly and willingly it was not our sin that held him on the cross it did not hold him there it was his love for you and his love for us that we, the children of God, would be redeemed by his blood. We would be plunged beneath that flood and lose all our guilty stains. And so great was the depth of our lostness and of our darkness. That it took not just you, Father, or the sacrifice of Jesus, your Son. But it also takes the work of the Holy Spirit. To come and regenerate us. To be the the new creation. The creation you wish us to be. That we can walk and live and talk in this world. Reflecting the light of God. The Holy Spirit resides within us. To reflect you. We are jars of clay Father. Jars of clay. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. There are no words, there is no amount of singing, there is no amount of prayer that will ever, ever, ever repay what you have done for us. We thank you, Father. We humble ourselves before you. We are not deserving, but we are thankful. And we pray, Father, that in this coming week we will go out and forward into our lives and into this world and we will reflect the light. To those who are still in darkness. Give us the grace. Give us the courage. And give us the strength. That when the opportunity comes. We will boldly say. I was healed by his wounds. We pray all this in the name of our loving and gracious saviour. Jesus Christ. Amen.